Hello and welcome to the Baggies Broadcast. This is episode 15. Uh, I'm Luke Hufford. I'm joined as ever by Matt Wilson, our West Brom correspondent here at the Express and Star. Matt, how are you today? Um, I've probably been better. You know, it was a pretty uh, demoralising weekend uh, down at the Hawthorns, although, you know, it started off uh, fantastic um, and quite inspiring at times mm. uh, before the game, but then once. <laughs> I suppose once after the first five minutes, uh, it all went a bit downhill from there. It did, it did. And we'll jump straight into it. Of course, a very emotional day. Myself and you were there. Um, the tributes for Cyril, I mean, wow. They were just amazing, weren't they? Yeah, I thought it was really well um, handled by the club. Um, I thought uh, the fans were fantastic as well. You know, they turned out in force. It was the first sellout since, um, well, in their home end at least, uh, since Astor Day. Um, obviously, it would have been a sellout had Southampton sold all their tickets. But um, yeah. you know, credit to the Southampton fans that were there for uh, taking part in all the all the tributes and uh, holding their scarves aloft at the right times. Um, and yeah, like you say, it was very touching. Um, it was just a shame they couldn't um, you know back it up with performance on the pitch. You know, it was the same same scoreline, same result, and yeah. same scoreline as Astor Day three two defeat. So uh, yeah. strange how that happens. It is, it is. But for me, I mean. I've I've not been out to the Hawthorns all that often. Obviously, since I've started working here, it's a lot more I've been heading down to the Hawthorns alongside you. But for me, I mean, even even having looked at tributes from around the world of football before, this was probably one of the best that I've ever seen or ever ever seen any any football team participate in. I mean, the scarf raise for me. I mean, I I don't have a deep affinity with West Brom. I mean, I never did when I was younger. I've, I was always a Villa fan from a young age, but even for me, it got the goosebumps going. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, and um, everyone at the club, I think, deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, and I think, I, I, you know, as I said on our video afterwards, I, I'd echo what Jason Roberts said, you know, that, that they've handled it with dignity and class and respect. And um, yeah, it was nice for um, everybody to say goodbye to a legend in a fitting way. Yeah, it really is. And do you imagine any further tributes for Cyril? Do you, can, can you ever picture a stand possibly being renamed after him? I know there's all this talk about the statue, but is is there something like that that could possibly come into place well, in the future? I, I mean, I wrote a piece about this about a week ago, and um, the stand is difficult, isn't it? Because if you name a stand, the Cyril Regis stand, um, then what about, um, you know, Jeff Astle? What yeah. about... Um, Likes of um, Graham Williams, who, who captained the team to two cups. Yeah, you know what about um, Wilde? What about Robertson? What about W. G. Richardson? What about Jesse Pennington? What about you know the list goes on. And there are only four stands. There are only four stands, and you can't touch the Brummie or the Smethwick, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I think you need to leave those. Um, I know some people would say, well, you could have the Cyril Regis Birmingham Road end. And yeah, you could, but I th- I like I quite like I quite like the um, the fact that the Birmingham Road and the Smithwick have their own identities and they have yeah. their own they ha- they're almost as iconic as some of these players that we're talking about. Um, so you could you could say that maybe Halfords Lane, you could probably rename that. The East Stand is the one which has got the probably the the worst name or probably the most unimaginative name and the one that you yeah. probably would rename but then again you know as I said before you know what who who, who is deserving um, Cyril you know I don't think anybody would be comp- I don't think anybody would be disappointed if he got a stand end after him I certainly wouldn't think it was not fitting Yeah. but it's just a um, it's just one of those things where okay you need to have I think a um, rather than having a uh, a knee jerk reaction to an awful tragedy yeah. um, you have to have a, a a coherent and, and thought-out structure about okay, 
if we're going to go down this route, who in our history needs to be needs to be uh, remembered? And, and I would argue that Cyril is probably one of those up 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 for um, you know certainly up for the uh, up for it. But um, whether you know, I think yeah, like I say, you don't you don't want to rush into these decisions. Yeah, um, I'm sure the club will, will, are planning a, a lasting tribute at the Hawthorns because it's a shame there's nothing there at the moment, um, and I'm sure his death has focused everyone's minds. Um, whether whether we whether that what that is we don't know yet. Um, I'm sure they were, they were just trying to get through you know the, the first home game and, and his and his funeral and the celebration of his life in these first few weeks before they uh, sit down and uh, and decide what what to do as a, as a sort of lasting tribute to uh, you know a legend of the team. Yeah, and it's certainly rekindled talks of of the three degrees statue. We touched on this a couple of weeks ago. Why Albion weren't putting any cash toward it? Is there any any update on that? Well, like I said before, and like I've written before. Albion will not be having it at the Hawthorns um, purely because a few years ago Peace offered to take over the project um, he didn't think it looked like the um, uh, this is the celebration statue for those of you that don't know the one yeah. that's been um, currently run by Jim Cadman um, and the sculptor Graham I think it's Graham Ibbotson I think uh, they did the Laurie Cunningham statue down in Leighton Orient um, and they've done a number, another of, a number of other statues as well around football grounds um, and Peace offered a few years ago to take over this project and he was planning to put it in Halfords Lane um, along with, you know, um, a tribute to everybody who who had given money. So everybody would, yeah. everybody, everybody would be recognised who had paid money. Sunwell Council and Jim Cadman declined and so the club decided to wash their hands of it because they don't believe it's a very similar likeness to the three players in question or the maquette or, or the prototype isn't. Yeah. And I would agree with them on that. I don't think it does look very much like um, the Three Degrees, um, which is a shame because yeah, the sculptor's other works have been pretty decent if you look at them. I mean, even the lorry statue is quite quite nice down in Leighton, yeah. Orient. But um, I, I just, um, yeah, I, I, I can't see it ever being at the Hawthorns or even near the Hawthorns. Mm. So if that goes ahead, if they finally get the enough money to... Um, to put it up, you know, I mean, it's been rumbling on for years, this, and then, now they're asking for fans to put in even more money. You know, it's it's a bit of a, I don't know, it's it's, bit, it's, it's a shame that it's rumbled on so long. Yeah. If they finally get it done, then I mean, I, I imagine it'll be put put up in West Bromwich High Street. That might that'll be a nice place for it, um, and I'm sure that the, the the club will do their own tribute um, in a different way to uh, you know three legends of the club. That's it. I mean, and having spoken to fans whilst I was there, there's a video on the Express and Star website. Uh, really touching tributes from them and a credit to everyone who was at the game and like you said unfortunately uh, the result didn't match the uh, the vigour and the atmosphere of the fans obviously you know giving their thoughts to Cyril and his family but it was a worrying result now and this is this is you know this is when alarm bells start ringing isn't it it is really because I don't know about anybody else but I was really confident Saturday morning I, mm-hmm. I felt like this team had turned a corner um it was a very encouraging January, both on and off the pitch. You know, there was a they got that first win over the line at Exeter. They backed it up with a win in the league against Brighton. Um, you know, they got a draw away at Everton. They might have won that. Um, then they beat Liverpool at Anfield yep. in a memorable game. Um, and then they lost away at Man City. And you, okay, you can. Okay, they were poor at Man City, but they were extenuating circumstances. They had injuries. Man City are flipping brilliant, um, you know. And they were. It was one nil until about the seventieth minute, I think. Yeah. So, I thought it was an encouraging month, and um, this 
this defeat and this result and this performance has almost put it back to square one. I mean, the important thing is how they react to it. Yeah. Because if they let it demoralise them, if they let it destabilise them, then it will be difficult. To uh, it's difficult to see them getting out of uh, the mess they're in, but if they can bounce back from it straight away, um, you know they've got nine days before the Chelsea game, so there's plenty of time to prepare for that. Um, yeah. And then they've actually got three weeks before the next home game in the league because they've got the, you know, they Southampton come back to the Hawthorns oddly in two weeks' time for the um, for the FA Cup match. So they've actually got three weeks into that huge game against Huddersfield so they have got time to, to, to recover and they have got time to bounce back but it, it's about how they do that um, yeah. and you know if if they can get something at Stamford Bridge if they can get a point there then I think potentially it could be back on but um, the danger is now that come Monday night because it's a Monday night game yeah. against Chelsea they could be even further behind and they, they're in danger of getting cut adrift and um, in that massive peloton of you know of team of clubs trying to stay up, they're the one rider that is in danger of falling behind um, the mark and, and and giving themselves just too much to do. Now it's only four points. Yeah, there's still a third of the season left to go, so all is not lost. You know, you're looking at. We spoke to Gareth McCauley after the game. He said we need to go back to back, have two victories in a row. Yeah, the issue is they've only won one in the league out of the last twenty four. Yeah. So if you take away the the FA Cup wins, then you know I think. You shouldn't take them away. You should. That should be. It should form part of what you perceive this team to be doing at the moment. Um, because obviously, a winner Anfield is a winner Anfield, and that was Liverpool's first team. Yeah. So um, that should not be discarded. But they need points uh, if they're going to stay up, and they need to start winning in the league as well. That's it. I mean, I'm I'm interested to see whether if 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 when they take on Southampton in the cup and they were to win, would you would you given the chance to swap those results and have the win in the league and give up that cup run? No. No chance. No chance. I mean, for me, uh, you have 38 league games and you have what? I don't know. It's four or five. Is it four games you have to win to get to Wembley in the FA Cup? Third, fourth, fifth? Third, fourth, fifth. Quarters. Quarters, semis. So four. So four. Yeah. So it's four games you have to win to get to the semis, five games you have to win to get to the final. Yeah. It's difficult. I mean, each fan will have their own opinion on this subject, on this, you know, this Sophie's choice. Personally, I would rather go to an FA Cup final. I'd rather win the FA Cup and go down. Yeah. Because those, those are memories that last for a lifetime. You know, Albion don't go to Wembley all that often. And, um, that's the whole point of football, isn't it? It's mm. glory. And, you know, you can always get promoted again. And even if you spend, say, five, ten years in the in the championship, yeah. if, if you won the FA Cup, then no one can take that away from you. So, it's, for me, it's a no-brainer. Um, you know, and... I don't. I don't prescribe. I don't prescribe to the fact that it's a it's a distraction because I think if you're winning games at this level, then it's it it helps you. Yeah. It can only help you. It can only breed confidence, and it can only you know give you that winning mentality which they've been lacking so much. And also, okay, maybe this maybe after the Anfield game they were a bit tired uh, and a bit lethargic against Manchester City, but actually that that game was perhaps the best game to come after that Anfield game yeah. in midweek because it was because it was um 
away at Manchester City and actually they weren't expecting to get anything but now there's no midweek games after the after the Southampton game mm. in the FA Cup it, it's it's week to week so no there you know there's no excuses of fatigue or, or tiredness or anything like that so no I think I think you you go all out for the cup as well because the it will only have bare positive fruits for the league yeah you only need to ask Wigan fans as well Wigan a lot of Wigan fans you know they're down in league one now and they still said they'd rather have won the FA Cup than when they did. And yeah. then, of course, I they thought Wigan fans preferred to win the Challenge Cup anyway. <laughs> well, either way, they, they certainly enjoyed their trip to Wembley. Uh, it was a very quick start by Albion in the game against Southampton. You know, they're obviously you know riding on that wave of the atmosphere, but they Southampton grew into it, and Albion petered out a little bit, didn't they? I mean, well, not just a little bit, yeah. a lot. Yeah, I mean that last twenty minutes of the first half, it wasn't pretty to watch, was it? No, they. Um, an interesting fact I, I dug up today is that they they've scored in the first ten minutes in five of the last six games. Mm. So they've, they're coming, they're flying out the blocks at the moment, absolutely flying out the blocks. But then I don't know if it's mental frailties or physical fatigue. They are letting other teams claw their way back into games, and you saw it. I mean, they started the first five ten minutes. Albion started electric. They were they were brilliant. Mm. Um, there was some. Nice interplay between Sturridge and Phillips. And I thought, oh, here we go. There's some that's encouraging. Yeah. But then after about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, all of a sudden, Southampton took control of the game, took control of the ball. They started winning the midfield battle. I mean, I love Jakob, uh, and Barry's been brilliant this season, especially under Pardew. But those two as a pairing, I don't think work. I don't. Yeah. I don't think that works really because they're too slow. And and Jakob, bless him, you know, he, he doesn't move from that sort of 15 metre radius in between his own penalty area and um, the centre circle and it just gave Barry too much to do and yeah. you know, they missed Krakowiak didn't they they missed Krakowiak's energy and I think even if Livermore was available because he was injured as well even if he was available he would he would provide that hustle and bustle that you need to um, yeah. to sort of just disrupt Southampton a bit and, and they were chasing shadows in midfield let's let's you know let's not beat around the bush they were they, they couldn't get near uh, Southampton's players. I mean, Lamina was fantastic. I mean, it has, you know, as as bad as Albion were, Southampton did play well. Lamina, yeah. Lamina was brilliant. Um, Buffal had a good game. I thought Tadic played well. Um, but yeah, that that midfield too is is too slow and too. Um, and I wouldn't say ponderous because that's unfair on on them both of them. But just um, just needs more energy, needs more legs. And and you know, Barry's thirty six. You know, he's thirty seven next. I think next month. So mm. or this month. So. You, know, you can't be expected to do three games in a week. Um, actually, I, I think he played against City. Oh, maybe he didn't. I, I don't know. But anyway, he you know he can't be expected to do all the running in midfield. Yeah, he needs a runner with him. Um, then at the back, you've got the same sort of problem with Hagazi and Macaulay. I thought. I mean, Hagazi has been brilliant this season. Macaulay has been a fantastic servant for years, and you know uh, uh, what a gent as well. And he's, mm. he's the way he reads the game. Is fantastic, but he is thirty-eight, yeah. and he's not as quick as he used to be. Um, and there are players in the Premier League who are rapid, mm. and he needs an Evans beside him. If he's going to, if they're going to play him, he needs an Evans to mop up, or he needs a, a faster centre back to mop up. And Hagazi and McCauley are just too similar. Yeah. That's the issue. Um, I don't. I'm not saying. I'm not calling time on any, on anybody, anybody's career here. I'm just saying they're too similar. Yeah. Um, and that was the issue. We had a slow midfield pair. A slow centre back pair, um, and then it all seemed. Oh, they, I don't know if they just got afraid. I mean, I've I've seen a few people criticise Alan Pardew for saying we scored too early. Um, 
but actually he was asked that question. Yeah, Someone yeah. said to him, did you score too early? Yeah. And he said, yeah, possibly. And it's been quoted as, we scored too early. And fans saying, how on earth can you score too early in a game you know, like that, a, a, a must-win must game? But you know, you, I, there is an argument to say that actually um, they did because they're so, they seem to be so mentally vulnerable that they, they protected that 1-0 lead Mm-hmm. far too early and they got nervous about losing it and then they lost it not only did they lose it but they went behind and then yeah. all of a sudden they were chasing the game and, and then you know what happened happened that's it you really want the team to capitalise on that one goal lead because you know what, after that first goal Southampton were rocking weren't they and you know what yeah they, but not for long yeah I mean they did do well to recover from it but you know Albion you know they maybe could have rode the crest of that wave a little bit longer one of the uh, interesting decisions from Pardew was of course the re- the dropping of Jay Rodriguez going against his former side I mean he's been in great form I mean I get it you've signed Sturridge but is you, you did say that you know the likes of Macaulay and Hagazi are too similar do you think he's dropped Rodriguez because maybe Sturridge and him are a bit too similar I, I do yeah I mean after the game he said it was because uh, Rodriguez had done 90 minutes against Liverpool yeah. 90 minutes against Man City and he was tired and maybe that played part of it um, you know they they these decisions are not are normally not just on one thing. They weigh mm. up everything. So there were a number of factors that would have played its part. There would have been um, the fact that he obviously thinks Rondon's the target man. Maybe Rodriguez as a secondary striker or Sturridge as a secondary striker picking up the bits. Yeah. He probably thinks Sturridge and Rodriguez are a bit too similar, like you say. Um, and, I th- and he don't, and he just likes Rondon. He's a big fan of Rondon's, and he yeah. and you know I can see why because he's been quite good in recent weeks. You know, and he even got a goal on on, on Saturday, even though it did come off his shoulder. But you know, he's looked rejuvenated recently, and he was he was one of the better performers on Saturday. It has to be said. Yeah. Um, never stopped going. Never stopped trying. So I can understand that. I can understand why he made the call. Yeah. Now, it's a big call to drop a striker who's got five goals in seven games, but. I also and I've seen him. I've, I have seen you know been been a bit of criticism and probably fairly so, but I would say Sturridge for the first half an hour looked sharp. I yeah, think. he did. You know, he, he looked, you know, he was he was he was playing on the last man. He was rolling his defender. He had, he was lightning quick feet. I mean, I, I I for the first half an hour I thought it looked like the right decision. Yeah, I don't know. I think if he if he scores that chance, he gets he gets played through and he. He almost he almost puts it in the top corner, doesn't he? But he just it just goes a little bit high and a little bit wide. I think if he scores that one, then obviously it's a completely different game, isn't it? But he did look sharp. Do you think him and J Rod can play together? I personally do. I'd like to see that. I think um, I think Jim Rodriguez has bulked up a little bit. I think he can be the he can be the out and out forward target man. Yeah. Um, okay, he might not be as much of a warrior as Rondon. Yeah. Um, but I think he I think he can I think they can play together. Um, I mean, Pardew's, you know, even said that he he would contemplate playing all three in, in the same team. I, I mean, you know, maybe you could play Rodriguez as a number ten behind behind them, the two of them, or maybe you could stick one of them out wide. You could play a four three three potentially. Yeah. Um, it depends on the opposition. Depends on the system you want to play. Um, I personally like Rodriguez through the middle. I think that's where he's looked most dangerous. I don't like him shut shuttled out onto the wing. So I wouldn't like to see it in a four four two with Rodriguez on the wing. Personally, yeah. I wouldn't like to see that. But a four three three, maybe. I mean, as long as it is a four three three and not four five one. Yeah. Um, but then again, you know, I don't know who you play that against, because uh, you, 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 that's a very bold, uh, you know, bold move that you're going for there. So you'd need to have, I think, you'd need to have um, your best midfielders available, and I think you'd need to have maybe Barry. 
um, and Krakowiak and maybe maybe Jakob sitting or maybe yeah. Livermore's legs in there. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I haven't got the answers to that one, but um, and, and I'm sure, you know, it could take time to find the, the best um, chemistry up front. Mm. But unfortunately, we haven't got time. Yeah. Pardew needs to find a winning formula straight away. That's it. I mean, and injuries didn't help, of course, you know, so many names out at the moment for Albion. I mean, can we see any of them coming back soon? I mean, the likes of Evans, obviously massively influential. But then, you know, we've talked about, you know, James Morrison and Nasser Chadley, they're still a way off, aren't they? They are a way off, yeah. I mean, for, looking immediately for Chelsea, it's going to be Gibbs and Krakowiak should be back. Mm-hmm. Livermore and Robson Carnu could also be available. Evans has twinged a nerve in his back, so he's going to miss Chelsea. He might make Southampton. Yeah. He might not. They might decide to save him for the league game, um, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, that decision one that won't be made until nearer the time. Marston and Chadley, those are still out. I mean, I, last we heard, they were due back uh, in March. My, I get the impression that Chadley's nearer than Morrison. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't think either of them are, are going to be back for Chelsea. Um, you know, they might. Chadley might be back towards the end of the month, but we'll have to wait and see. That's it, and I suppose you know with with Chadley, it's a matter of you know will Pardew even use him because he's not really had a chance to uh, integrate him into the squad that much, has he? I mean, he's been he's been injured for the majority of the time, if not all the time. Pardew's yeah, and he won't he won't be match fit, will he? So it, you know he'll have to come off the bench. I would I would guess to start with, and and you know where would you play him? Do, do you play because Barry and Krakowiak have got this good partnership uh, yeah. building? You know where. How, how do you fit him in the team now Sturridge is there and if he likes Rondon I don't know look these are good problems to have yeah. for a, a team at the bottom of the table at least you're thinking okay we've got some options um, mind you I mean we're talking about an eventuality of Chadley coming back you know he might not be back until mid-March and by then you're, you're, you're in the throes of a, of a really important run of fixtures that's it and you know you've, you've led us on to our little segment here perfectly because We've I've looked at the table and it looks as though, because considering we're two thirds of the way through now, it looks like thirty six points is probably going to be the line. Which, yeah, which it looks like at the moment to to pass. And if you do pass that, you know, fingers crossed, you know, the the teams carry on the way they are, then that should be you know the line to cross in terms of surviving. And um, I've looked at West Brom's fixtures here, and I I've put together a, a list of like um, points predictions for each game. I'm going to get the same from you. Okay. So uh, Chelsea, for example, away. I've gone with a loss there. So zero points. Uh, I don't know because Chelsea are in, you know, disarray at the moment. It seems, mm. um, particularly behind the scenes. I'd love to see a reaction. I'm going to be an optimist and say we'll get a point. Okay. After that, of course, in the league, Huddersfield at home. Now that. Is is the biggest game you know yet probably for Albion? If yeah, I'm they're being honest. but they're all big games. You know, Southampton was a big game before that. Brighton was a big game before yeah. that. West Ham was a big game. They're all huge. They're, they're all big games now. You can't really. I mean, it's a cliche, but I'm sure Pardew over the next few weeks is going to say we've got ten cup finals. Yeah. I'm sure he's going to say that because that's just the nature of it. And mm. um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, if you lose to Huddersfield, it's curtains, isn't it? Really, so. Yeah. Um, They've got to get three points there. I've gone for three points as well. Uh, Watford away, another as you said. We, you know, we can always say these are big games. I've I've actually stumped for a draw here just because they're away from home. Uh, I've got no idea about 
how they're going to be under their new manager. Yeah. So, I mean... It's a tough one to call, isn't it? You just don't I've know. I've got no idea. I mean, I don't know how the team are going to look at that stage of the season. Is I mean, predictions are just... <laughs> I know you're doing it for your little segment, but these are so difficult. I'll, I will be optimistic and say, yeah, a draw as well. A draw as well. After that, it's Leicester at home. I've gone for another draw. I think, I think I, even though Leicester are, Leicester are uh, on a good run at the moment, I feel that just at home, Albion may be able to get something. Well, I don't think this team can do a four-match unbeaten run, so I'll say they'll, I'll say they'll lose that. Lose that one. Bournemouth away. I, I've actually gone with another draw here, just because Albion are the draw specialists of the league, so to speak. But I think they can win that. You I think they can, can win? Yeah. I'm adding all these up, by the way, as we go. Burnley at home. I've gone for another draw. Bloody hell, we can draw every game. Well, I mean, Burnley are just... I feel like they, they've obviously had a very good start to the season. Yeah. Whether that's going to tail off a little bit, I'm not too sure. I mean, obviously, Sean Dyke just got this new contract, but I feel like Albion have the, have the players. If the, if the players are all fit and firing, then I feel they're certainly good enough for a draw. Burnley are a good side. I mean, they're, they're, they're not just a long ball side. They play it around the depth pretty nicely, but I reckon, that, I reckon we'll win that. Another three points there. Uh, Swansea at home. I've just gone with, with a win here. You've got to win that game. Yeah, you've got to win. Uh, you've got for three wins in a row there. That would certainly be very nice. Uh, what? Yes, you have. Yeah. Uh, Manchester United away. I've gone with a loss there. I can't see. No. Yeah. Uh, following that, Liverpool. Not a great run here. I've gone for another loss. This one's at home, but even still. Nah, I'll get a draw there. Get a draw. After that, it's Newcastle away. I've gone for a win. I'll lose that. You think? Oh dear. Three wins. Oh well. Well, because you said I've got three wins in a row. Um, yeah, well, you've, yeah, you've gone from one to the other. It's fine. Spurs at home, I've gone for a loss. Yeah, I'll lose that. Yeah. And then the last game of the season, away at Crystal Palace. Now, I've gone for a win. I think it's going to be, it's going to go down to the last game. Judging by my count, because my count, if they, if they go for a win here, they will get 36 points, which is exactly the line. Which Fine, I'll give it a win, yeah. You'll give it a win? In which case, you've added up, so 4, 5, 8, 11, 14, 15, 18 points. On top 18 of their, points. On top of their 20, so that gives them 38 uh, points. So seems, in theory, that's survival. That's, that seems incredibly optimistic. Yeah. It does. But um, but that's the thing. I mean, you look at those games and you look at the way that Albion are playing, or the, at least before Saturday, I suppose. And well, I say tell you what, you look at the way that Albion's first eleven are playing. Yeah. You know, and you think, yeah, they can win those games, and mm-hmm. they can, and they can do, and they can do that. So, look, all is not lost by all means. But that six-game burst after the Chelsea match is massive. Yeah. And they have to pick up. They have to pick up. Uh, I would say th- three wins at least that's in that six-game burst. Yeah, because if the, not four, that's it. The likes of Huddersfield. If 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 they go out and beat Huddersfield and beat Watford, then suddenly things are looking awfully bright. I mean, I mean, they still may be in the, the thick of a relegation battle, and they probably still will be. Uh, but you know, things will look better if you get a couple wins at least and just stay in touch, or at least get yourself off the foot of the table. You've got to think about three teams they can finish above. Huddersfield, I think they can. Yeah. Stoke, I think they can. Yeah. Newcastle, Newcastle's maybe. possibly Brighton. No, Brighton. No, Brighton will stay up. You they, don't think so? They, yeah, they've just got a very good win. Watford, they're in a dreadful run. They've got a new manager though. Yeah, it's a fair point. Swansea, have we touched? Swansea, Swansea? will be fine. After that, then it's awfully close. Exactly. We could be looking at you know going down to the last game, 
They need to get something from Roy Hodgson uh, to stay up, and we could be, you know, teetering on the brink, seventeenth, eighteenth. I mean, actually, at the stage that we are at now, I hope it's, I hope it's that good because, yeah. you know, they, are, as I said earlier, they're the one team in danger of being cut adrift. That's it. You take that right now if you're. You would. Them, you you know, would. A last game. Winner takes win or bust. Yeah, yeah, you probably would. That's it. And Alan Pardew at his old club as well. I mean, what what an event that would be. If they're still in it at that game, I mean, uh, it's going to be very uh, well. There's going to be narratives everywhere with uh, Roy Hodgson, Alan Pardew at their old clubs, and uh, Albion needing to stay up, needing to win to stay up. I mean, it could go down to that that wire. I'm sure Palace will be safe by then. Hodgson's done a great job. Yes, certainly, certainly. And we got a couple of questions coming now. We, of course, ask for all your questions every week, so keep them coming. Uh, Charlie Swift, he asks, uh, how long until we get Sturridge firing and start to get out of the bottom three? What a question that is. Yeah, well, I think he looked, like I said earlier, I think he showed some promise uh, in the first half an hour. I think he tailed off after that. I think, he, you know, probably the way the game was going, but also uh, his own sort of fitness as well. Um, but I think there are signs, there are promising signs there that he could... Um, he could do it. So, uh, Pardew's just given him a, a a target of seven or eight goals by the end of the season. Yeah, I reckon far four or five, five or six could help yeah. immeasurably. So, if he can score, you know, I mean, if he say he scores five goals and four of them win the game, yeah. do you know what I mean? They're the winning goal, scoring big goals as opposed to goals when you're losing three three two or something like that. Yeah. Well, if you're losing 3-2, if you score, that's a good goal. Well, <laughs> it should be 3 yeah. all. <laughs> well, I mean, the two goals, uh, yeah. But I see what you mean. No, yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Scoring the big goal is probably more important than just, you know. Well, scoring any goal is good because they need to score. But, um, you know, I mean, you could say that they've started scoring recently, but... That's it, that's it. Uh, another question here, Graham Scott. He asks, uh, no one at the Hawthorns is totally sure on Oliver Burke, but on Saturday when he got the ball, we all stood up. Should we maybe play him more? That's a very, very good question and um, very well put. I agree with that. I, I'm not sure on him. I don't think anyone is. I don't think Pardew is. I don't think many of, the, many of the fans are convinced because he is erratic and he is um, unpolished, shall we say. He's raw. But in that sort of cameo, you know, in that 20 minute cameo he had, he did look the most likely, the most threatening. He gave. Southampton some questions he nearly got through I mean I, I think he could have won a penalty there you know. I think he got clipped if he goes down I think that, you know you're asking the referee a question yeah he could have won a penalty I mean there was also a push on Rodriguez as well I mean it's, it, it could have gone a different way towards the end to be fair yeah um, he, he, he does look his pace is obviously a weapon um, but he just doesn't seem to have that end product at the moment. Mm. Um, now, whether that's because he's not been played enough and he hasn't had the opportunity yet, I don't know. We need to see more of him. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if, in as we come towards the end of the season, he's thrown on more in, 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 in desperation, I suppose. But you never know if he gets a, if he gets a goal yeah. against uh, you know off the bench against someone, he could become a, a, a hero towards the end of the season and. Like that guy says, yeah, he he does seem to have something. He's got that X factor, doesn't he? He gets bums off off seats. He does. Well, do that. I'd rather we put the ball in the net than get bums off seats. I mean, obviously that would do that, but it, you know, he's he's got that pace that Albion lack when they don't have Phillips on the pitch. And Phillips yeah. has been, you know, he's not been the same player this season as he was that last season. Injury hasn't helped him. Injury has hasn't helped him. I mean, he didn't do very well on Saturday, but um, yeah, Burke, you know. <sighs> 
I don't know if he's ready to be starting games, but certainly off the bench, I think he could be useful. Definitely. Uh, Carl Gatt, he asks, do you think we'd be in this position if Jeremy Peace was in charge? Also, do you think the new owner should be spending more time at the club? Um, do I think we'd be in this position if Peace was in charge? I do, only because I can't see what the board have done completely wrong apart from potentially I mean if you look at the summer business um, Gibbs good signing Higazi good signing uh, Krakowiak you could argue belatedly a good signing yeah um, who else did they get in Rodriguez again took time to get up to speed but you know now yeah, people he's... people are saying don't don't drop him for storage so good signing um, who else came in Barry good signing yeah um, the only one that I'd question would be Oliver Burke and 15 million pounds that's a lot of money um, to be spending on him now then you have to ask well okay I thought they got the sacking of Pulis I thought they timed that right I mean yeah. they sat Pulis back in November let's be let's let's be honest um, that's it they gave Pardew they, they, they gave they, Pardew a window they, they gave, gave a the window. new man a, a transfer window and plenty of time to right the ship yeah so they didn't rush into the decision which I think was fair because when Pulis took the team into the top half the, the season before but they also um, did it at the right time I thought mm-hmm. so that's you could argue that's the right decision. You could argue the January transfer window was a success. Kept Evans, got storage. Yeah. Um, we, we get to see so about Gabi, aren't we? We get, we get, we get, we get to, to see about him. But, you know, that's by the by at the moment. Yeah. The only questionable thing is the appointment of Pardew. Yeah. Now, before Saturday, everybody was in, supportive, in support of Pardew. Mm-hmm. I think he's turned the, the, around the performances. I think yeah. he's got the team playing... A more exciting, more threatening brand of football. I think the team look more like to score. I think they look better just all over the pitch. Yeah. Okay, he hasn't had the impact on results that uh, David Moyes or Roy Hodgson has elsewhere. But I get, I still get the impression that people are enjoying being Albion fans more. Yeah. Than they were before. And I'd agree with that. And. You know, I'm not saying that it's going to end Rosie. I'm not saying that, it, you know, he's going to keep the team up. He might not. It could all end in a blaze of, you know, not blaze of glory. It could all just blow up in, in our faces. But, so far, I think it's been a positive, it's, it's been mainly positive. Yeah. Odd to say that, considering... When he took over, they were outside the relegation zone, now the bottom. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's been mainly positive. Um, I'd agree. But yeah, I mean, I think the next seven games are massive. They and are. If they have more performances like the Southampton game than uh, in, the, in the next few games, then it could turn sour pretty quickly. Mm. But we have to remember there's a lot of players out for the Southampton game. And when that first eleven is on the pitch, they look a lot better than they did uh, in the first half of the season. That's it. And obviously this big run now, I mean, the first game here is a Chelsea away. Uh, it's going to be a tough one for Albion. I mean, as you said, Chelsea are in a little bit of disarray. They lost They lost out Stamford Bridge to Bournemouth 3-0. Um, I mean, it's quite a break for Albion now, like you said, nine days. Is that going to be good or bad for them, do you think? <laughs> I think that'd be good for them. I think you know no one wants to fester on a defeat, mm. but I think they will probably 
by come Monday night, they will be absolutely raring to go and they will be absolutely pumped because um, they've been given Monday off this week yeah. because of the the Monday game next week. So they're going to be back in tomorrow and Wednesday. And I think that extra time just to just to stew on that defeat and then come back and be like, and almost get over it, I suppose, mm. and then come back and be like, right, come on, we've got to, we've got to up this. Yeah. Um, as I said, I spoke to McCauley after the game and I've never, I've never interviewed a player, I've seen, never seen a player look so, so upset with a result, um, so distraught and fair play to him for fronting up and coming out. I mean, I know he's experienced, I know he's the captain yeah. for the day, uh, but fair play to him for coming and speaking to the press after afterwards, and and you know, all the things he said was like, look, we need to just not, we need to just roll our sleeves up and and get our teeth into this fight and show the guts and the determination and the bravery that we need to to get out. And I think I don't think you can question that that that, that you know the team's fight. I think if you look at Hagazi and, and and McCauley at the end and Rondon as well, um, I don't think you can question their fight. Yeah, um, they all want it. Um, but I think uh, you know it just seems to be the quality and, and, and the sort of the, me- the mental frailties more than anything else mm. um, that that need addressing. And hopefully, this extra time, uh, this sort of n- this nine days, will give Pardew time to address that, and hopefully give some of the injured players more time to come back, which will be crucial. Yeah, I was just going to say, I was just going to touch on that. You know, nine days and seven days, it's not a massive difference, but. I mean, if 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 you've got someone coming back from an injury, then those two days can be valuable, can't they? Could be. Uh, of course, Chelsea they play on Friday after uh, the game against uh, West Brom. Uh, they're in the FA Cup as well. I mean, Conte is in a very weird position at Chelsea. I know you know there's a lot of talk of him leaving in the summer. Do you reckon he's going to try and go all out in the FA Cup? So there's a maybe a possibility they may rest some players in the Premier League. I know they're obviously fighting for fourth place as well, though. So it's yeah, no, it's a I bit of a weird one. I think for um, I think for for managers of those elite clubs, it's more about top four. Yeah. Uh, at this stage of the season, um, you know, if you, if it was the quarterfinals or the semi-finals of the FA Cup, maybe it'd be a bit different. But at this stage, I think he's more worried about top four and I think he will play his strongest team on, uh, against us yeah and then of course that the debate between Jay Rodriguez Daniel Sturridge I mean Sturridge of course he used to play at Chelsea can you see can you see Pardew favouring one or the other or can it's, it's such a hard call because you know it is, a, it is a tough game but who do you expect to line up in that front that front uh, up front shall we say who's, who's going to who's going to make the cut honestly at this stage I don't know yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, we're talking about a game that's a week away, yeah. um, and yeah, they haven't even they're not even training today. They're training tomorrow, so I've I've got no idea at the moment. I'll find out more when we speak to Pardew later on in the week. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Storage started though, because I think he showed enough, just enough, just a little glimpse of what he's capable of. I mean, he's got that X factor. He's got that spark in the final third, and I think you know he. If you're look, if you're looking for a striker who is probably, you got to think who's more likely to score. Yeah, and I love, I love Joe Rodriguez. I, I, I've, I've said all season. I think if you give him consistent games up front, he, he, he will score goals. But I think Sturridge has just got that little spark, you know, that little bit of magic that, uh, 
that you could need to win a game. Yeah, and you reckon he needs just this game time to get up and firing because obviously at Liverpool he was, he was on the bench for so, so long. He barely he barely saw time on the turf, didn't he? So do you reckon he, he needs these games to really get into form? Yeah, like I say, I thought he... I thought he um, Looked a bit, uh, looked looked a bit jaded after half an hour, forty minutes. So yeah, I think he, you know, I think he can do probably sixty minutes at the moment. And that's his max. Mm. So we'll see. That's it. And uh, any other changes do you envisage, or is it just the injured players coming back? Well, hopefully Gibbs and Krakowiak will be back, and that'll be massive. Yeah, uh, Krakowiak especially, uh, and Gibbs too, because Neon's not a left back. Bless him. Um, that will be helpful. Uh, I envisioned Gibbs going back in left back Neam going back down to the bench yeah. um, which would mean that actually even though Evans is out that would give Albin a bit of cover because if they lose a centre back Neam can go right back Dawson can go centre back if they yeah. lose if they lose a left back or a right back Neam can go in so fair play to Neam he's, he's a versatile player I mean you know he's he hasn't been great in recent recently but he's a versatile player so um, yeah. that's useful um, and hopefully Kukoviak will come in for for Jakob and, and, and you know pick up where he left off um, we were playing very well and, and um, a blossoming relationship with Gareth Barry I don't know if there'll be many other changes that's it so we'll finish with predictions Matt uh, I'll get us kicked off uh, I think it'll be 2-1 Chelsea I think Albion will put in a good fight but I think Chelsea may just have enough from I think they I think they will I'm going to be optimistic and they're going to go all out for it they'll be raring and ready to go and um, I reckon they will I mean, they've had a couple of 2-2 draws down Stamford Bridge the last few years. Yep. So I reckon it'll be 2-2 again. That's it. So fingers crossed for a result against the Blues for all the latest Albion news. Make sure you stay with us at Express and Star. Matt, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Luke. Not a problem. And we'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>